But I, I wanted to, I wanted to look at a couple of places in in the New Testament where Jesus spoke specifically about worship, and I wanted to take from his words and uh, and and you know bring bring those words into our into our meeting this morning. You know, we've been we've been talking in this series about eat, sing, and give. When people normally think about Christmas, those are the first things that tend to pop to mind. You know, we're going to eat together a nice big family meal. We're going to sing together a couple of choruses, whether you're going up to Kirstenbosch for carols or whether you're assaulted by the choruses and carols in ShopRite. Um, and then we talk about giving. You know, the kids get excited for the, for the presents, and that's a big part of Christmas. But they tend to leave God out of it. You know, you go to Kirstenbosch and you sing, jingle bells, jingle bells, and where's God in that? So we wanted to bring God back into the Christmas experience. And that's why we have this one, Eat, Sing, Give. So today we're talking about bringing Christ back into the Christmas singing. Um, the other thing we wanted to do is just, just remember we need to celebrate. You know, we, we are here celebrating Jesus' birth. Um, Romans 12 says, um, we weep with those who weep. And that's good. We need to do that. We lament. We weep. We feel the sorrow with people. But we rejoice with those who rejoice. This morning is, I hope, a bit of both. Yeah? I hope a little bit of weeping with those who weep. A bit of rejoicing with those who rejoice. We're rejoicing that Jesus came and rescued us. So that's the big one this morning. And when you read through Psalms, you actually find a lot of both of those things. A lot of rejoicing and a lot of weeping. So we look to the Psalms as well to, uh, to guide us in some of this. And Jesus also modeled both. So behind Petri and Mina over there, you will find a cross and a cradle. And I wanted to, to have a visual representation here that, yes, the cradle is more what we're celebrating around, around Christmas time. We're celebrating Jesus' birth. But let's not forget that he didn't come to be a baby. He didn't come to earth to be a baby in a cradle, and that was it. He came because he had a purpose, and the purpose was on the cross. So as we're worshiping, as we're celebrating the birth, bring into your mind also that that was not the reason why he came. Um, yeah, he, he came for something more than just to be a, to be a baby. Um, yeah, we celebrate Jesus. He came to rescue us. He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. And that's why Christmas is important because we're celebrating when he came to rescue us. And as Christ follows, we try to model our lives on Christ. Uh, and Jesus modeled for us worship. Not in every detail. I mean, we can't model Jesus every detail, but we worship his lifestyle. We worship what he taught us. Okay, so as I looked into this, I was trying to find the places where Jesus spoke about worship. Some great ones I've spoken before previously on John 4.23, which is this one. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. What is spirit and what is truth? You look at the Spirit of God who indwells us and it helps us to worship the truth of who Jesus is, His identity, and we worship the truth of who Jesus really is. Great verse. We can look at Mark 7.7, 7, I think is the next one there. Yeah, Jesus taught us authentic worship flows from a heart filled with love for God. Uh, Jesus quoted from Isaiah, He said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce. For they replace God's commandments with their own man-made teachings. Ooh, that one hits. Yeah, their worship is a farce because they replace God's command with their man-made teachings. We could spend a lot of time talking about that one. How about Matthew 4.10? Jesus said to Satan, he's being tempted in the wilderness, Away from me, Satan, for it's written, what? 
Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Ooh. In our worst, hardest times, worship the Lord your God only. I like this one. In Matthew 26, Last Supper, He's just broken bread with the disciples. He said, after He had broken bread with His disciples, He says, I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then he says this thing. Then they sang a hymn. Went out to the Mount of Olives. And I've read this a hundred times, but it hit different this time. Jesus sang a hymn. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? Jesus sang a hymn. Jesus worshipped. He didn't just receive worship. He worshipped. Jesus worshipped. This one just, it floored me. When Jesus sang a hymn. Then I think, now what did he sing? (laughs) what, What would Jesus sing? Four Gospels all quote that there was a Last Supper. Matthew and Mark say that they sang a hymn. Neither of them say what they sang. But Jewish tradition, Passover meal. We know in that time they would sing the, and you're going to have to maybe help me with the pronunciation. Halal? Halal? Yeah, H-A-L-L-E-L. There we go, the halal. Means praise. Looks familiar, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Comes from there. So it's the praise. It's made up of six psalms, 113 to 118. And over the Passover meal, it was traditional to sing and to recite the whole of those six chapters. The last part that they would sing as they're closing the Passover meal, the hymn that they would sing as they're leaving, is Psalm 118, the last section of it. Uh, Yeah, hallelujah, praise God. So I have recited enjoying occasions like Passover. So, here's the last bit. Let's, I'll read it for you. I'll give, thanks, I'll give you thanks for you answered me. This is what Jesus is saying. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done, this, done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. This, uh, the Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Can you imagine being Jesus singing that? Just before going off to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's singing about his 14 times great grandfather, what he wrote. This is a psalm by David. 14 generations back, his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather wrote this about him. And he sings this with his disciples. So I love finding connections in things, spotting how this relates to that. This Psalm 118 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. It's the only one quoted by all four of the gospel writers. There's no other psalm quoted by all four, and this one is quoted more often in the New Testament than any other psalm. Um, So you say this isn't Old Testament, but there's such a New Testament link in here as well. So it's so relevant for us now. Let's find a couple of those connections. First one, on Palm Sunday, Jesus is making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. What do they say? Uh, 
where is it? Matthew 21, I think, verse 8 to 9. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Then they sing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118, 26. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us. Okay? So he's saying, bless the Lord, he's going to save us. They're recognizing that this guy coming into Jerusalem is their savior. We say, they say that he comes in the name of the Lord. Now, I mean, I can send Zach on an errand to go somewhere and say, hey, would you go there? And when you say, just tell them that your dad sent you. He goes in my name to do what I've sent him to do. Jesus comes in the name of the Lord. He comes in God's name. They're recognizing that this guy coming into Jerusalem is sent in the name of the Lord. He comes with God's authority. He is God. It was the phrase that they had used all the time to refer to their coming Messiah. And they recognized that this is the guy. A little bit later in the same day, um, Jesus is confronted by the, by the Jewish leaders. Um, and he, tells, he, he gives two, two parables when he's responding to his confrontation. First is the one of the bad tenants. Uh, oh, sorry, the, the, the one of the two sons. The one who um, promised to do what the dad asked and then didn't. And the one who didn't promise but then did. And Jesus says, now which is the one who's actually done the father's will? The second parable is the one of the, um, of the bad tenant with... They come to collect their takings from the farm and the, they kill the servants. They kill more servants. They, he sends the son. They kill the son. This is what Jesus is quoting back to the, to the, the Pharisees who are challenging him. He says in verse 2142, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? And he quotes back from Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. So he's quoting back Psalm 118 to challenge back to these religious leaders. He calls himself the cornerstone, which is something that we don't build with cornerstones. Where's Earl? When you build a foundation, you're not using cornerstones these days. Hey? When last did you have a cornerstone on your invoice from builders? Uh -uh. So we don't build with cornerstones anymore. We build with foundations. But in the old days, they would have a cornerstone. And everything would line up to the cornerstone. But the thing was important that you had to have the right cornerstone for the building you're building. It was like a blueprint. So the cornerstone would tell you what kind of a building you're building. You either rejected a cornerstone because it was of inferior quality or it was just the wrong kind of cornerstone for what you were trying to construct. And so what he's saying to the religious leaders is you've rejected me as the cornerstone because you're building something different to what I'm coming here to build. You're building something totally there, and God's purposes are here. So you've rejected the true blueprint, but God is going to build his foundation on the right blueprint. And Jesus says, this is me, I'm here. He uses Psalm 118. Then there's a section, Psalm 118, 27. It says, The Lord is God. He's made His light shine upon us. With bows in hand, He joins the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. The procession of the feast up to the altar with bows in hand. So bows are ropes, lashes, to tie the sacrifice onto the altar. And Jesus is saying, 
I'm going off to the altar, going to tie me to the altar. He's claiming that about himself. He becomes our sacrifice for everything. What must have been going through Jesus' mind as he's singing this hours before about to be crucified? He knew it was coming. He sings it with his disciples. The last two verses are just of Psalm 118, just great praise. You are my God, I'll praise you. You are my God, I'll exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Oh, beautiful. So the disciples didn't know what was about to take place when they were singing these words. But Jesus knew. They were singing, he came in the name of the Lord. They were saying that he's the stone that was rejected, that's become the cornerstone. And saying he's our savior, the sacrifice for mankind. I love verse 23. It says, the Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. So what? Let's close with this. We celebrate Christmas in song. We're singing today. We're celebrating Jesus. We reaffirm today that Jesus is our Savior. He's the one who's come to rescue us. He's our foundation stone. He's our cornerstone. We rest everything on what He's built and what He's started. He's the right blueprint that we build ourselves on. He was born to be our sacrifice and rescuer. So we celebrate His birth, but we don't celebrate the fact that He was a baby. We celebrate that He came for a purpose. If all of that doesn't make you want to worship and praise, then I don't know.